it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're now on Patreon. By popular demand, you can now support us directly through Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. We have three tiers, including an entry-level tier one that takes the ads and plugs away. You can have the VIP versions of the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast, Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows, and the PW Torch Daily Cast. That's 14 podcasts per week, but with the ads and plugs edited out, plus you get the VIP after shows. Don't be left out anymore from those for just $4.99 at patreon.com slash VIP. We also have a second tier and a third tier where you can upgrade to get other VIP content, including other VIP podcasts and the PW Torch newsletter, the current ones and 20 years ago version. So go check it out. Patreon.com slash PW Torch VIP. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back, wrestling fans, to today's podcast of honor, part of the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup. We are the only podcast covering Ring of Honor Wrestling exclusively for our PW Torch and its PW Torch VIP members. I am your host, Ryan Sullivan, at Ryan Sullivan MLB on Twitter. And with me is my tag team partner. He is one half of Sexin' and Flexin'. He is at Ring of Tyler on Twitter. 
Tyler Sage. Tyler, welcome back to your our show, my friend. Hey, good to be here. Um, yeah, uh, a busy weekend for Ring of Honor, and uh, lots to talk about. So yeah, excited to uh, you know to talk about it. Uh, I'm sure people are tired of hearing me specifically. Uh, <laughs> Never on the on the uh, on the lineup of shows here. So I think that per capita, I would say that I've analyzed the show more than anyone on the internet, <laughs> which is which is. Uh, I didn't think I'd ever be in that spot, but here we are. So yeah, excited to uh, put a bow on this whole uh, this whole event. Yeah, you've been cheating on me this week. So how about we uh, jump ahead a little <laughs> bit and uh, get? How about your spots right here for your plugs because uh, this is kind of a perfect segue. Yeah. So um, obviously we previewed the show last week on our show, and then I previewed the show with Zach Haydorn on uh, on the canvas, um, and then on Monday myself and Sean Radican and Rich Fan did a uh, uh, VIP roundtable on the show and uh, we're talking about today and um, obviously you can always see me um, or see me you can read me uh, every Wednesday covering uh, AEW Dynamite with the Alternative Report and uh, you know someone within Ring of Honor Wheeler Yuta has a big match against Sammy Guevara tonight so uh, so the worlds are colliding I think this is the first time since we've been covering um Ring of Honor that like I'm not that Wheeler Yuta was a major person within Ring of Honor but the first time I can remember someone that we've covered pretty extensively has, has jumped to a, a bigger platform so that that, that feels good for, for us yeah, <laughs> yeah the we, only, we've been we are big guy. fans of Yuta absolutely yeah only guy that jumps out maybe uh, otherwise would be uh, Griff Garrison but uh, yeah but even then like when he was well, I don't think we covered him barely at all no uh, I mean when, there was one episode where they talked about him for a little bit, but uh, mm-hmm. I mean, and then what his tag team partner with the crazy hair got injured pretty soon afterwards. And then, you know, Griff has actually gone on to AEW and actually with varsity blondes, I think he's done pretty well, quite frankly, but that's mm-hmm. way off topic. Yeah. No, you're good. So yeah, it just feels, um, you know, feels like nature's healing, right. That we got, uh, you know, some, some, you know, that we talk about, we kind of give a spotlight to here. And uh, they go on to do bigger and better things. So, yeah, I feel, feel very happy for Mr. Yuda today. So, yeah. Well, and uh, I think you mentioned it, but uh, I wanted to also make sure that you got uh, your AEW plug-in for tonight as well. Yes. Yeah, so you can uh, read my alternative reports every Wednesday um, live. I, I try and, you know, update as soon as the commercial break hits. I try and give you as, as real, real-time real thoughts as, as I can possibly give. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, have 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 I talked about? I'm losing my mind here, but have, have I talked about the rampage post show um, when that happens? No, have I told you about that off air. No, you didn't. Oh well, there you go. So we spent 24 um, hours together, and somehow this didn't come up. Okay, let's well, do this. You, you know, you, you met me. I'm not. I'm not. I tried not to. Uh, uh, I would say now, me saying this kind of disproves that, but I try and be as modest as possible with lots of things. <laughs> so, um, but uh, you know, we talked last week about working. Uh, myself working with Wade to get the uh, the report for Rampage and um, um, someone else is doing that job which is great very excited for them they've been doing Dark um, the Dark Show um, written report and they've been doing a great job so now they're doing Rampage and uh, uh, I believe that I'll be um, co-hosting or hosting the uh, Rampage post show uh, which will be a VIP exclusive um, that we'll either just have on the next day on, on for, for all the VIP members or uh <laughs> Got some drums in the background there. Um, that, that deserves and, a drum roll, my man. You're dropping yeah. a whole nother job on me, and you didn't even mention it. We're hanging out for 24 hours. I mean, come yeah. on. All right. So, you know. So, yeah, so we'll get more details for you there, but uh, it'll be 
I don't know if we'll take college or not. We're all trying to work out the details, but it'll be kind of a tight, you know, it's an hour show. So if we spend more than an hour talking about an hour show, that's kind of a bad thing. So <laughs> probably a 40, 40, 40 minute show. We're just recapping it and giving some thoughts and some rotating, uh, rotating hosts and things like that. But uh, yeah, so very excited for that. Um, so I, that's my, uh, my ROH slash AW beat uh, here at the torch. Yeah, very excited. So we'll talk more about that and uh, try and get that show promoted a little bit, but uh, yeah, so that's what I got going on. Well, congrats, man. I'm very proud of you. I wish you had told me so we could have had a drink for that. Although with the way the weekend worked, we probably didn't need another reason for a drink, but that's a whole nother topic. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I am happy for you, man. That's really great. Uh, if you ever need a uh, host or a fill in, uh, you know, you, I always got your back. So uh, oh, yeah. looking for forward sure. to that. So, yeah. All right, let's get our plugs out of the way, and then uh, we will dive in here. Uh, we are at Podcast of Honor on Twitter. If you want to reach out to us, we are podofhonor at gmail.com. If you want to send us some emails, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, I know we've got a lot more listeners now uh, just in the few weeks that we've been on the Daily Cast, and we really do appreciate that, by the way. Thank you. The numbers have been great. So uh, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you, uh, old listener, new listener, and everybody in between. So reach out and... Um, with that, Tyler, where we start every week, uh, how is life treating you, and what are you drinking? Uh, life is good. Uh, I'm drinking a, uh, a tall glass of water. Um, I did fly into Baltimore this week, and I thought that um, – I, I don't know if you can tell by my voice here, but I was like, oh, I you know, wear the mask the whole time. I was like, this is great. I'm not going to get sick. I always get like a little bit of a flu or cold uh, flying, and uh, today I feel like I have the smallest of all colds ever. So <laughs> did not fully work, but uh, I'm trying to hydrate to, uh, to power through that right now. So, yeah, but life's good. How about you? Uh, I am still uh, recovering from the weekend. Uh, I, I learned that I can't stay up until 5 a.m. anymore. That uh, doesn't really work. Um, so I, I'm still recovering. I somehow lost a tooth uh, eating dinner before the show, so I'm still missing a tooth in the front of my mouth. So um, I, I look like I've been beaten up is what I look like, but um, I, I'm actually feeling pretty good. I've got a cup of coffee, and uh, besides my voice and how I look, things, uh, things actually feel pretty good. So glad to get to uh, – sit down and talk uh this card out with you i know we kind of bs'd about it a lot you know sunday night but i'm I'm actually kind of excited to sit down and really go through best in the world there a lot happened uh and you and i kind of like i said we talked about it a little bit but we haven't really gone through it so um i guess without further ado should we just dive right into best in the world yeah let's do it all right all right, Tyler, should we start with uh, – how do you want to start this? Do you want to go big picture? I guess that's probably the best way for us to start and then start at the main event and work our way back. That way we, yeah, don't, get, that way we don't spend too much time on the opening match and then we rush through in two minutes, you know, the main. So mm-hmm. uh, first place I want to start with you is just let's do big picture ta- uh, thoughts and grades. Uh, what, what were your big picture on the, on the event itself? And uh, thumb up, thumb down, grade, you know, all that good stuff. Yeah, so um, you know, I think the the show itself was really good. It's probably the best, easily the best show that Ring of Honor has had since I've been covering it for the Torch, and uh, so that's you know nothing to sneeze at. Um, you know, I gave the show an eight and a half out of ten. Um, I thought it was really good. I thought you know besides the EC3 and Flip match, I thought every every match delivered to some extent, and it was you know every match probably averaged three and a half stars if you if you average all the matches together, which is pretty hard to get an 11 card match, uh, in North America. So, um, you know, that, that was good. I think the, um, reactions overall were good, but, um, you know, I think, um, I don't know, not selling out officially, uh, the 700 allotment was not good. Um, you know, I think we'll see once we leave 
Maryland, and by we, I mean ROH, um, um, how that goes. I think the obviously the Maryland State Commission and, and ROH are, are, are going to have a cage match to blow off the feud here uh, at some point. But, um, you know, when you get more people together, and, I, you know, I don't know. I just think there's a lot of momentum, but I think a lot of the problems still exist with the TV not really correlating to selling pay-per-views. And, um, you know, I just think we're really into this, like me and you and, and people that listen. But, you know, I think a lot of people were surprised that, that Roosh lost and they didn't think that he should. And, you know, that just to me proves that a lot of people are not watching this product. And that's not on the people that are not watching it. But um, I think this they went the right direction. But I just think it's going to be, a you know, a long, slow road to, to build back up the, uh, the, the, the fan base. Yeah, uh, I was around the same. I was. I think I gave this about an eight myself. Uh, there were a couple of uh, matches that I wasn't quite as high on. I've listened to your commentary, you know, in the in the various spots, and then we talked. There are a couple of uh, nitpicks that really stuck out to me that kind of set my craw a little bit. But I mean, in general, I, I thought this was the show they needed. I mean, Ring of Honor definitely needed to deliver a very, very good to great show, or. You know, and I still think the problems exist that you just mentioned, and we'll touch on them. But uh, I, mm-hmm. I think if this company had delivered a dud or a four type of a pa- uh, pay per view here, then we would really be having a much different conversation today about like where is this company really going and what is the future. Yeah. And I, I think that, like you say, there was a lot of really good wrestling. Um, I think there's some nitpicks that I really want to jump into. Uh, I don't think the athletic commission did any favors, and I want to touch on that. You know, kind of in a, a live correspondent type way which kind of leads into my next topic so let's let's actually jump right into there um what was your you know we were both there in person we were together we had social media ninja matt with us we were in a they called it a pod but basically it was three seats together and then like two apart but uh what were your thoughts just being at the show i think that's that's a great place to start um yeah so you know i thought the um you know the energy was good going in um a lot of people were there um, lined up before the show started, you know, doors open at six, there was a long line at six. It felt like a, uh, you know, like a real company, um, like going to a WWE taping of raw or SmackDown is kind of what it felt like on the outside. But I thought the fans that were there were more engaged than, um, at least here in Columbus I've seen in the past. Um, it seemed in, uh, in my experience, a, a, a majority of the ROH, tickets sold here locally were people that don't really follow and they just wanted to see a wrestling show and were wearing, you know, like an edge shirt or like a, uh, I don't know, a Matt Hardy shirt from 2007, something like that. They're kind of a lapsed fan, but like wrestling. So uh, this, this crowd was engaged and, um, you know, we were in the, the front row, we can say that. And, uh, but it was, you know, three rows back, which is a little weird. So, you know, in the end, the line of sight was good. And, um, I, I was not as, upset about that as I, you know, probably would guess, but, uh, you know, I, I thought the crowd was okay overall in spots. They were really over for some people and, and kind of undersold for others. But I think for how long the show was and how many matches there were, I thought the crowd was pretty consistent and, um, you know, for, for the small amount of people there, I thought they were pretty good overall. Yeah. I, I don't think there were uh, more than maybe 10% of casual fans in that whole audience. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think everybody there watches every week. I, uh, just judging by how many people came up and shook our hands and said hello, um, most of the audience seemed to have been fans of this podcast. So it, it was definitely a, a diehard crowd, as you said. Um, I, I was impressed. I, I will say I think the crowd put up with a lot to still give the energy it did between mm-hmm. the commission uh, barely having the building open. There was one bathroom open. There was one concession stand open. 
Um, most of the building was shut down. Uh, so many seats were locked down. One half of the building was basically shut down the top part. I mean, I didn't really get a very welcome feeling when I was coming in that building that like, wow, UMBC and Maryland really wants us here. And, and I hate to say that I lived in Maryland for 37 years of my life. I consider it home in a lot of ways. And uh, I was actually woefully disappointed with how we were treated, uh, more by the athletic commission than the UMBC. I mean, I don't think UMBC had any control over how that went, but it, I, I thought that was bad. And I had a major problem with where we were seated um, and, and nothing against Ring of Honor or any of that. It's just, again, the commission. But when you buy front row seats and we're uh, at least eight feet from the from the guardrail and then another eight to ten feet from the ring, I, there were things I missed. There was sight lines that I didn't think were great. You couldn't bang on the barricades. You couldn't make the same noise. You couldn't interact with the with the. Uh, with the wrestlers as much. Um, and I really thought that hurt the crowd and hurt, hurt the show in a lot of ways. So um, those are two things that really jumped out to me. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. To, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Daily Cast listeners, thank you, first of all, for streaming the shows. Be sure you're subscribing. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to pro wrestling podcasts. But while you're at it, if you're not yet, please subscribe to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows. Search Wade Keller and see two logos pop up, a blue one and a red one. The red logo, the post shows, cover Raw and SmackDown each week with a fast turnaround time of a couple hours after the show's end. And also, every Saturday, we present a flashback to our analysis from five years ago that week, covering Raw. Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net joins me, and we analyze what happened on Raw five years ago. So check out that time capsule every weekend. The Blue Logo Show features the Thursday flagship, plus our first-run interviews, our classic interviews, and our mailbag segments. So again, search Wade Keller and click subscribe to both the Red Logo and the Blue Logo. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I agree with you on that. And, um, you know, you have more experience uh, with those sidelines than I do. I'm usually uh, I'm usually an upper bowl kind of guy. 
Um, so, you know, I was, I, I, so take that into account as well that, um, I was just excited to be that close. So, and my vision um, yeah, is I not mean, great. So I, I'll be the first yeah. to say that there's a reason I try to sit up close. I mean, I like to be yeah, a yeah. crazy fan. Everybody saw me on TV, I'm sure, but it, it is also because my vision is not fantastic. So I don't want to be 250 feet away because I'll miss things. Like I would have missed the oh, loogie yeah. later on if I hadn't mm-hmm. been that close. And I still barely caught it until you guys kind of reacted. And I was like, oh my God, I missed that. So, yeah. Well, and, um, I was, um, uh, I had another point, I guess it's, it wasn't important because I forgot it, but, um, Oh, I guess. Yeah. When you bought the tickets, were you aware that this was going to be the case or you, would did this feel like a last minute change by the commission and ROH kind of figured it out maybe a couple of days ago or what was your experience there as a, as a ticket buyer? I think I was expecting it, but I think I was, uh, how do I want to say this? I was almost expecting the worst the whole way of going in because I know the Maryland Athletic Commission. I've actually done some some small indie shows where I was backstage and I've seen Maryland's commission up close. So uh, mm-hmm. I was kind of expecting the worst case scenario and it wasn't quite the worst case scenario, but it was, I mean, front row is front row to me and I certainly couldn't have fallen down and touched, uh, you know, the barricade. And, and mm-hmm. that's tough to call front row of anything. So, yeah. But uh, there was nobody in front of us, so I guess in that regard, we were the first row. But, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? Kind of just on-site correspondence? I thought uh, I thought the crowd was pretty good at spots. I think it got tired uh, in, a, mm-hmm. in a few spots as well, and, and I think maybe we'll go through that more when we, you know, go uh, match by match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think I think uh, I got what I needed in. So, all right, Tyler, let's jump to uh, let's start with the main event. Uh, we, uh, as you mentioned a second ago, uh, I think the casual audience wasn't quite sure how this was going to go. I think you and I both predicted that Bandito would go over Roosh. Um, story of this match was kind of Roosh taking him a little lightly. Uh, we saw Roosh go to his uh, favorite spots a little earlier than the normal four minute mark, but. Uh, for the most part, it was a pretty pretty good match. I mean, they kept a real good pace. Uh, Bandito reversed a move at the end. They got a small cradle pin uh, to win in about 16 minutes. Um, yeah, so, you know, I'll, I'll try and be as short as possible. I think the only thing I want to add here is, you know, I've heard Wade's thoughts. I don't know if you have on the show. I have not, and that's the only okay. person I have not caught. And sorry, Wade, but he's really the oh, no, only one that I haven't listened to, so... Um, he was pretty, you know, he was not as, as high on this show as we were, which is good. That's good to have a very, uh, of opinions. And, and, um, you know, his biggest complaint was in that, in this match in the main event of, um, having this big moment and not having it feel special because they did a roll up and had the beat down afterwards and the show went off pretty quickly. And, you know, the only thing I will say to that is that this is, that's the exact reason why Roosh needed the, the belt taken off of him, because I don't think that was all storyline. I think he is just kind of a hard person to work for. And, he was not going to drop the belt any other way. And you can't have someone like that as champion. Um, you know, again, no reporting by me. That just is my vibe on the situation. Well, let's, and, let's jump uh, in. I, I, I don't yeah. want to interrupt you, but I think this is a good spot here. Cause I will say that I think one thing that the live audience missed that you and I saw was kind of mm-hmm. the whole key to the end of that match where mm-hmm. there was the beat down. And then afterwards, uh, Kenny Bestia and Roosh went up the, the ramp, but Dragon mm-hmm. Lee stayed back and almost had a, like a, a hug it out, you know, like good job. I'm proud of you type of a moment. And it seemed like they became either Dragon Lee kind of went baby face or something along those lines. And I, and I'm not sure that the audience, uh, the television audience saw this. And I think that was one of, if not the biggest parts of this match. 
Yeah, and for sure they didn't. Um, yeah, because I asked Sean and Rich on the VIP roundtable, and they, that did not make the broadcast. So, um, you by know, we way, were watching. Poor this- job by yeah. Ring of Honor to make sure they're not getting enough stuff, getting their stuff in in time. Yeah. I mean, this is yeah. now the third or second time in three years this has happened at best in the world. Yeah. And, um, you know, we were watching it live and we were checking our phones. I mean, it was like 10.55 and the match was still going. It was like, oh, this is. So, yeah, I mean, and that's to bring it back to Wade's comments. Like, you know, I agree that in like a vacuum, that is not a good way to get the belt on somebody new and, and start a new era of wrestling for that company. But I don't think there's any other way they could do it without just like firing Roosh and having a tournament for that belt. And um, so that's, you know, a positive and a negative. And then, yeah, I think the, the production stuff is something that keeps happening. And, you know, could, could we have had that EC3 flip match be eight minutes instead of 13 and, and gotten everything in? Yeah, I think so. So there seems to be a little bit more diligence on that end. And I think that is a, a very fair critique of the production um, team and whoever, you know, set the timing up. I think that really needs to be looked at next time. And, you know, yeah, we've had a lot of these in recent years, and it's just unacceptable at this point. Yeah, I mean, that was, uh, if not the key part of that match, it was one of them, and it's setting up, you know, Philadelphia, and nobody saw it except for the live crowd. And, that, and maybe they'll mm-hmm. show it this week on television or the following week, but mm-hmm. that really is just, it's unacceptable, quite frankly. I mean, you guys are scripting this story to be told. You guys can certainly figure out how to get it done. So, um, yeah. And to uh, and I think Wade has a great point because uh, this is probably my biggest nitpick or one of the, my biggest nitpicks from the show was I mean I said it as soon as it happened to both of you guys I just said how do you reign a new champion and have him win it that fluky and then he gets beat down afterwards I mean it just it, it, I mean Kerry didn't even get the chance to go in and give him the belt I mean it just it mm-hmm. didn't work for me at all and I, I know Roosh is I'm I mean you and I are both assuming this was on Roosh and so you know if we're wrong we're wrong and apologies to Roosh but this just felt like you know just what a terrible you know what a terrible way to have a big moment and and i didn't like this at all yeah yeah i mean it's um you know hopefully we'll have a good run with bandito here and he'll be a good champion and we can look past it but um yeah it's tough and that's why like i don't know i probably wouldn't have i think that was known before they put the belt on him a second time um and i don't know they just I don't know. It's just bad. It's just bad judgment, I think. But yeah, we're out of it now, and we'll see what they do with Roosh going forward. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I think me and you both predicted it. I'm looking over here. Yes, we both did. So um, yeah, I mean, I think it was the right call for the company in the long run, and I think it, this would be a much different um, podcast for me. And I'd give it a much different rating if Roosh would have won because that would have really killed, I think, any positive momentum going forward at the top of the card. You just mentioned it, so I'm going to take it because you mentioned it on Greg's show a couple of nights ago, and, and it was a great point. But uh, Ring of Honor has a real problem booking their past champions. And I don't know where you go with Roosh now. This is the second time he's lost. Uh, I, don't, I didn't get the particular feeling that the crowd was really had a lot of heat towards him. I thought it was more, you know, and I don't want to say go away heat because that's such a cliche, but uh, I think the audience is tired of him. And, yeah. uh, I don't know where you book him from here. I know they have a tag team match in Philadelphia, but I mean, I think the best thing for him would really to be, you know, go away for three months and and come back in some other form, but they can't really do that when they've got faction warfare going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't think they'll do the, uh, you know, he's not a baby face, right? So they can't do the thing where he loses and turns heel. That's the, the try. Bruce doesn't lose. I mean, he's now lost yeah. twice, and he lost Goofy to PCO at Final Battle, and then immediately won it back, and then he won like a fl- or lost like a fluke here. So, I mean, that's yeah. the other problem is they booked him like Bray Wyatt that he's unbeatable. So, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at the other teams. Like, I imagine he goes one on one with Jay Lethal and just like obliterates him. Uh, all of Brody King, and then maybe him and Brody King have a match to set up, you know, uh, a title shot. And I, yeah, you know, I don't know. I think he's going to feud with the top of whoever, whatever factions he's feuding against. Maybe Shane Taylor again. But we've seen all these matches, right? So it's, um, you know, and, and anyone else, uh, it's tough because like if if you if you're elevating people, like you know tonight, if you're elevating a, a Josh Woods is like a mid-tier baby face and you're going to have him go against Bruce, he's just going to lose and it's going to kill his momentum. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it depends what they're paying him and, and what they want to what they want to do, but uh, I don't see you – know, I don't ever claim to be a good booker, but I just don't see any positive with him besides him just losing, and I don't think he's going to put up with that. I think he'll, he would no-show if he had to lose a bunch of times. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you do with him. I would just have him beat – uh, PCO and and Danhausen and PJ Black and just be lower card guys and keep his wins up, but I don't know. Um, audience, if you guys have thoughts or ideas of where you would take the Rouge character from here, I'd love to have you guys tweet us or, or email in because I, it sounds like Tyler and I are kind of at a loss of just kind of where you go from here. And, and I know we're both down on the character, but uh, I, I'd love some audience participation if you guys have ideas of where to book Rouge because I, I really don't know where to go from here. Um, let's jump ahead. Uh, I'm going to go slightly out of order because it kind of needs to. But uh, let's talk now. Dragon Lee versus Tony Deppen. Uh, Dragon Lee gets the victory in 10 minutes and 10 seconds. Uh, Kenny interfered about the four-minute mark, slightly oddly uh, in a way. But Kenny King was doing the uh, commentary, came down, interfered. And from there, uh, this match was absolutely crazy in a lot of ways. There was a cannonball... Uh, 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 Cannonball, the power slam. I don't know what it was. It was unbelievable in person. I still can't believe that it happened eight feet in front of me. Uh, the uh, dragon suplex series that went on forever, the slaps to the face. Uh, dragon Lee finally hits his incinerator knee and gets a pretty clean win, quite frankly, after the interference at about 10 minutes. Yeah, I mean, easily, I think, best, best work match, bell to bell on the card. Yeah, that move is is up there for one of the moves of the year from Depp in the yeah, Tope Sunset Flip or Tope uh, Destroyer, whatever however you want to say that. And, you know, that that takes two guys, obviously. That is uh, – you need two guys that are highly skilled at, at those types of moves to pull that off. You, you're not going to pull that on everybody if you're Depp in. So, um, yeah, it was great. And, um, you know, I th- think we predict Dragon Lee to get this and, and get back into a spot. But uh, – yeah, I mean, probably as good of a match as you can possibly have with 10 minutes. Um, and so if you're a, a performer out there and uh, you have 10 minutes on a card, this is probably a good match to have in the back of your mind on how to get over in a short period of time because it was, uh, it was, a, it was a clinic. I mean, it was the pace was out of control, and I mean that in yeah. a good way, but they really went. I will say I was a little lower on this match than you were. Um, I did not like the German suplex uh Fest in the middle of the match that just got to be beyond ridiculous for me where they hit like six in a row on each other. I mean, that just, and they didn't sell it. I mean, it, it it didn't work for me, but that said, I mean, this was still every bit of a four-star match for me. Um, I know I want to build off the point you made somewhere else, but uh, I feel like they need to have a third match somehow in this trilogy. Mm -hmm. But now that Dragon Lee has lost, or pardon me, Dragon Lee has won both times, a kind of, where do we go with Tony Deppen now? But two, how do we, book Deppin and how do we get back to you know a Dragon Lee Deppin match you know maybe at final battle or you know sometime later this fall 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think you can just do it, and even though it's two two and zero, you know, two and zero for for Dragon Lee. I think you could still do it and you could tell some story where Devin kind of climbs back up the rankings and he's the number one contender, uh, winning a multi-band match or a gauntlet or something. And, um, you know, I would believe it and I would be excited to see it. And I think, you know, it would be one of those epic trilogies that, uh, you know, ring of honor could, could hang their head on forever. And, uh, you know, I think dragon Lee would still win, but, uh, it would still be an epic trilogy. Um, nonetheless, because, I mean, if you go back through, you know, like Joe and CM Punk and I'm trying to think of the other ones like Danielson and Nigel, they have a trilogy. So, you know, there's yeah, – I, I can't tell you who won each match off the top of my head right now. I just know they're epic trilogies. So um, I think that's the important thing is that for ROH to have another one of those uh, in, in their back pocket. So however you get there I think is, 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 is fine with me. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little more – I think they need to wait on this. I think they need to get Depp in a few more wins. I mean, now kind of the two big stages he's been on, he's lost. And I know that's not fair because obviously he won the title. But at final battle, he lost to Dragon Lee, and then he loses here, kind of in his two biggest spots. So I, I think they need to get him a few wins. I also don't think it's that hard for them to find him a few wins, you know, whether it's the Eli Isoms or somebody even farther down the card. But uh, yeah. I, I think they could build him up. But I do think they need to give him, you know, three, four, five more wins here going forward. Oh yeah, I mean you could do that over the next, you know, every every, you know, if he's going to have five matches before final battle, he could win all of them and win a multi-man match in November to set up him and Dragon Lee at final battle or something like that. And we're going to have, you know, what we have at least two shows confirmed right now. Probably we'll have a three. Three. We've, got, we've got Lakeland as well confirmed that we'll talk about later in the episode. Well, yeah, I'm you... saying before final battle. Um, yeah, we've got know, Philadelphia so... two nights and then we've oh, got yeah, Lakeland two books, nights. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We're so we'll have lots thing. of yeah, opportunities. Yeah, yeah. For, for, for that, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. You don't, you don't want to do it like next week. Wrestling fans, if you're looking for a unique and entertaining way to get your wrestling podcast fixed, check out Ring Rust Radio. Ring Rust Radio uses its trademark brand of banter to cover all professional wrestling you love, including WWE, NXT, New Japan, Lucha Underground, ROH, Impact Wrestling, and more. We also hold sit-down interviews with some of the biggest names in the history of the business, such as Stone Cold Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Chris Jericho, Kurt Angle, Trish Stratus, AJ Styles, and Roman Reigns. For those of you who want their wrestling with a perfect mix of serious analysis and comic relief, find Ring Rust Radio dropping every Wednesday night on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. And it sure feels like we are going to have, uh, I'm just, the appearance I'm getting from the company is they're going to go back to a monthly schedule at least through the end of the year. I think we're going to have October, November, and then final battle probably in Philadelphia back would be just a total guess, if not Baltimore. So, yeah. again, that's or Ryan's Vegas. complete conjecture and, and prediction that has no, no inside knowledge. So, <laughs> um, Anything else you want to talk about on this match? I mean, like you said, it was quick, but, man, they got, a, they got everything they could out of 10 minutes. Yeah, and I mean, I think both these matches too, they were the last two matches on the card and, and the crowd was really into them. Um, so that's that's a, you know, a positive for the the way the show is structured overall, you know, with some nitpicks here and there, obviously. But, you know, the four performers that we talked about too. Um, yeah, I mean, just like if you look at those, well, you know, I don't know if Rush is a great performer. Maybe as a babyface he would be. I mean, he um, has a lot of energy in the ring. But, you know, if you look at three out of these four guys, I mean, um, that's – you know, pretty comparable to a lot of other uh, companies out there. I think Ring of Honor has a depth of talent that uh, is underrated still looking at these guys. That's a great point. 
Uh, this match really kind of led into uh, the tag team title match, which is kind of why I, I did it in reverse order. But uh, yeah. we almost did, and you guys were calling it the ECW uh, start, and I think that was so good on the uh, the roundtable. But uh, mm-hmm. this really kind of, uh, the end of this Deppin match went right into the foundation. Um, Tracy Williams wasn't cleared by the commission. I don't know if that was a shoot or not. Um, I'd love to find out if that was, but... Um, mm-hmm. Then Jay Lethal got, I guess, jumped from behind. And so now the next thing you know, we've got Gresham and Titus defending in a fight without honor against Dickinson and Homicide. Um, I thought this match was pretty darn wild. And I give Gresham all the credit, man. He must be in crazy shape to be able to do this back to back or almost back to back. But uh, yeah, uh, I think this was pretty much what we expected. But uh, this was a good fight without honor. To I mean, these guys didn't bleed. I don't think anybody was bleeding, but I mean, these guys were, this was a violent match. Yeah, it was extremely violent. And, um, yeah, I, uh, you know, especially after the, uh, you know, the match we was talking about Dragon Lee and, 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 and Devin, I thought we'd get a little bit of a slow build, maybe some entrances and whatever. I think it was also, um, they, they know they had uh, not a lot of time left on the show, so they had to kind of get that out of the way and, and get going. And, um, yeah, I mean, they really got spot after spot after spot. And, um, you know, someone like Homicide um, just absolutely destroying Red Titus a couple times there. I mean, shout out to Red Titus because um, he took some nasty spots throughout that match. But yeah, it was great. Top I mean, rope superplex onto the chair. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And that was like, what, two minutes in? That was, yes. Um, it was um, pretty, man. So yeah, I mean, shout out to Titus there. I mean, he's, you know, I, I think I've been very positive on him. So have you throughout over the last couple of months, but he's just showing, um, you know, just a lot of range as a, as a performer and as a character. So, um, again, another, another great match for him. Gresham, obviously coming out doing basically 35 minutes of, of work on this card. All, all great. And, um, yeah, Dickinson, I thought was over with the crowd and homicides, homicides. So, yeah. Overall, I thought this was a, a win as well. Yeah. I thought this was a really good match for what it was. I mean, you know, at 1145 or whatever it was, you know, it, again, for a tag match, you, it's only going to be so good at, at that length. But uh, I thought these guys really did a great job in the spot they were given and the right team won. I think Titus looked mm-hmm. great. I think you sold the dissension of Gresham in the entire group. And, and I mm-hmm. think you told a lot of good stuff and got a lot in in 12 minutes. So I, I give a bravo to this. Maybe not, you know, a four or five star match, but I, I think this mm-hmm. was like a solid three to three and a half and got a lot accomplished, which, you know, says a lot. Yeah, I think so too. All right, brother. Now I want to jump into uh, the Jonathan Gresham and Mike Bennett match because um, for me, this was the match of the night. And uh, I went back and watched it again and it blew my mind. I think it was way better uh, watching it on TV or, you know, pay-per-view, whatever I'm trying to say, than it was even in person. I missed a, a fair amount of the spots and some of the great stuff they were doing, just eyes and camera angles. But uh, real, I mean, Bennett almost hit his pile driver about 17 minutes in, and nobody's kicked out of that pile driver in a long time in, in Ring of Honor. Uh, Gresham kicks out. Uh, then, you know, he tries to keep selling the arm and the knee, which he's been hurting, he rolls him up, but then Bennett holds off and uh, gives him a pin attempt, which, all, which was pretty believable, about 18 minutes. And then Gresham finally gets him in a leg lock, and, and Bennett has to tap at 19.21. Um, I, I, I thought this was so fantastic. I thought Mike Bennett wrestled one of the best matches of his life. I mean, this is not his style. Obviously, Gresham has to get a lot of credit as well because, I mean, to carry somebody whose style is not this for 19 minutes and to keep the audience... I mean, just this is like a four and a half to me. I mean, this is one of the best matches I've seen in a long time. 
Yeah, and I, I'm glad you said you said that because yeah, I, um, I've not watched it uh, back. I've only you know seen it in person, and I assume the announced team did a good job to put this match over and tell the story throughout. It was probably one of the main differences amongst. Um, you know, so I don't know if you want to speak on that before they I did. keep going. I think that's a great point. They also sold the 11 different ways to win in the 11 pure matches. Uh, Ian definitely mm-hmm. got that in at the end. But what really came through was uh, Bennett counter for counter uh, on TV mm-hmm. that we didn't necessarily, or at least I didn't from my angle as much. And uh, the, the guys on commentary did a great job of selling the fact that you gave, you thought Bennett might win. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes... You know, particularly when we went into that match and we thought 99% chance that Bennett was going to lose, maybe even mm-hmm. higher than that, quite frankly. Um, t- for them to have sold it a few times that he had a chance to win, and when he hit that pile driver, and then when he had that, cr- uh, you know, held on to the, cr- the roll-up, I mean, I, they did a hell of a job. So I think, uh, again, I would, I would recommend you go watch this back because um, uh, the commentary really made this a much better match, and, and I want to give those guys credit as well. Cool. Yeah, no, I, I love this match live, so I can only imagine how much better it was, you know, with the, you know, the, the framing of the, you know, the camera angles and, um, and the announce team. So, yeah, um, everything you said I agree with. Um, yeah, I think this is the best match I've, I've seen Mike Bennett perform in. Uh, it might not be his best match of all time, but it's the best one I've seen him do. Um, and, uh, you know, Gresham, um, you know, was, was a great dance partner in, in this capacity, but I think Bennett showed his true range. And, um, you know, he's obviously fully engaged he has been for a long time now but you can just see um the type of talent that mike bennett is that i think is underrated still you know probably not with me or you or people that watch roh a lot but if you're a casual fan i think you really don't think that mike bennett is this good of a professional wrestler and i think the show that he is and you know gresham is uh you know, just solidifying himself as the best worker, uh, uh, you know, in, in the country, uh, in North America at this style. And, um, you know, uh, just keeps proving it and proving it and proving it. And this is no different. So yeah, I thought this match was, um, was amazing. And especially with the, the three matches we talked about before, it just shows the, the range of ring of honor at the top and, uh, yeah, it helps solidify. This as a great pay-per-view. Yeah, I want to uh, kind of reiterate, but uh, make the point, you know, Mike Bennett, I said it earlier, you know, that this pay-per-view really had, uh, you know, needed to perform and really bring it. And Mike Bennett was in a spot here where, you know, we're seven or eight matches into the card. It's almost three hours into the show. This is not his style. Gresham, you know, could have made him look silly if he wanted to. I I mean, Gresham's a professional, but you know what I mean? It's not his style. And this really clicked. And I got to give Mike Bennett credit for that because if he didn't bring his effort... I mean, I know I'm sure you know pro wrestlers can point to spots where Gresham really did great jobs, and and that's above my pay grade. But uh, you know, when you've got to perform, this could have been a dud and not come off well if mm-hmm. Mike just didn't bring it or or it didn't work for whatever reason. And, and I think Mike needs to be commended for doing a great job and, and getting a lot out of this match that very few people thought was going to be particularly competitive. So, uh, yep. bravo. Uh, you know, I could spend the next 45 minutes saying the same thing, but just <laughs> bravo. So. Yeah, I'm with you 100. Uh, percent You want to move on to Brody King and Jay Lethal now? Sure. Uh, Jay Lethal came out first. Uh, absolutely was over and couldn't have been more excited. Uh, I think I want to make mm-hmm. sure to point that out uh, when we get back to the comments. But uh, for mm-hmm. the most part, this was a pretty clean win for Brody King. I think. I mean, Lethal had a, had some offense, you know, three or four minutes in, but I mean, Brody won pretty decisively with two Gonzo bombs at 10:45 and. Uh, in, in a lot of ways, this might have been the cleanest win, you know, the entire night. 
yeah um you know i think as it should be and you know lethal didn't even really get a hope spot as i can remember he just really had those dives and then his initial offense before that and then it was all brody king and um you know um they sold the, the lethal thing and you know i think it worked with how much brody king um just absolutely destroyed lethal in the ring but you know i you know lethal's a good seller too because um you know we can divulge that we were, uh, we can confirm that he was totally fine i don't know if you want to confirm that as well as my second source there but he was totally fine uh, after the show so you know I, I like that with the dissension angle and and uh you know Brody king looked like he heard it but he did not so um yeah i mean i just thought this put Brody king um Again, for a lot of people who, you know, mainly right now in the wrestling media who are watching it, um, you know, there's people at the torch and people that are not at the torch that are high, high level people that were talking about the show that I haven't heard talk about Ring of Honor for a long time. And watching this, I think you, you know that Brody King is a star and he could be one of those, you know, next big guys, him, Bandito. Um, Dragon Lee can really be top guys for this company for a long time if you resign them. And I think that's, uh, a, a positive long term. It's probably the most positive long term, besides the Bandito match, um, for this company that I've seen um, in a long time. Yeah, I could reiterate what you said. I'm just going to say ditto on that. The point I want to make is Lethal came out, and I mean, we had him on the show a few weeks ago, and he spoke about how excited he was to perform for the audience. And you know, a lot of times when you're going to lose, you don't always come out there with that that same you know excitement. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it looked like Jay was going to cry and of happiness and happy yeah. tears when he was coming out. I mean, he was right in front of us and he was yelling and I mean, he was hyped. And I think that's just a sign of a true professional that he knows he's going to lose. He knows he's going to get basically stomped, quite frankly, in the middle of the ring. And he still came out like yeah. that. And he was selling it. I think he did a great job selling it. And I mean, there's just no way to look at that match and not say that uh, they've got major plans for Brody King in the next six eight twelve months i mean that you just don't win like that it, it you know at that position on the card against the franchise if this if you don't have certainly title aspirations you know going forward yeah agreed 100 percent. and um yeah i think that's the best framing for him um and uh it worked so yeah uh, great success uh it was a good match i really enjoyed it um, from a competitive state and then just booking wise I thought it was really smart so yeah big 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 thumbs up for me on this match uh, one point that I do want to make again uh, or with this is uh, where do they go with Jay Lethal now because I, I don't know how many more he needs to get a couple of wins I feel like I mean this guy has now lost most every match and we're starting to just predict him to lose every time I mean I, I think that and we saw it's a couple of other matches earlier in the show that we'll get to where you know, stealing a win when they're not expecting it could really go a long way for Lethal, and I do think he needs to get some wins here, and not in a tag team match. I mean, I think you need to see Jay Lethal hit a Lethal injection and beat. I always use Eli Isom as the the low upstart guy, but you know, somebody in that range, a, a Mecca, somebody in that range, he needs to get a couple wins. Yeah, I would say like you know, it depends what we're doing in front of the live crowds. Maybe like him beating Silas, one of these two shows. Um, if they could get you know someone like in that zone, or um, maybe he took on one member of the of the bouncers or Ken Dixon or something, that could be more of a TV thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you want to get like a surprise win, I'd probably have him beat Homicide, someone like that, or Bestia to like if you're going to keep the you know the the faction stuff going, but. The yeah, homicide I mean, would work. That that actually is really that's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you too. Like, if he beat like a, you know, like if he went against Tony Deppin right now, I would be shocked if if Jay Lee would beat Tony Deppin, which is kind of crazy to say six months ago, right? So, um, 
you know, something like that. I don't know if you want that for Deppin, but he's not signed. So, <laughs> um, you know, if you had that and have a big win over someone like that, I think that could tell, that could go a long way too. Um, being someone who's like on the upper mid card, um, you know, or having beat Roosh. I don't know. Like, that's what I would do. I would just have everybody beat Roosh personally, but that's my bias. So, um, you know, if he has a couple wins like that, you can heat him right back up. And, um, yeah, so I don't know. There's some, some, some options there for you. All right, forget about last summer. It's all about this summer. We've all been inside long enough, so grab some beach towels, stock the cooler, and make your escape. It's time to celebrate the best season of the year like never before. With so many great stories and programs, Audible is the perfect summer partner. And now is the absolute best time to do it because Prime members can save 53% off your first four months. With Audible, you can listen to more of whatever you're into because Audible has it all. An unbeatable selection of audiobooks, tons of binge-worthy podcasts, and exclusive originals. All available to download or stream. Here's what you get. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month, like the latest bestseller or hottest new release. Yours to keep forever. But here's the best part. You also get full access to Audible's streaming library, the Plus Catalog. Discover your next podcast obsession, check that audiobook off your bucket list, or get lost in a world of original content from celebrity creators, best-selling authors, and leading experts. The kind of stuff you can't hear anywhere else. Stream all you want, as much as you want. Audible is a perfect companion for summer because no matter where you're going or what you're doing, you'll always have just the right thing to listen to at your fingertips. Perfect for road trips, lazy beach days, long bike rides, or just barbecuing in the backyard. Right now, for a limited time, Amazon Prime members can save 53% on four months of Audible. That's only $6.95 a month. If you're not an Amazon Prime member, what are you waiting for? Go to Amazon and sign up so you can get this deal and so much more. Get more out of summer with Audible. To take advantage of this incredible limited time offer, go to audible.com slash wade. That's audible.com slash wade. But I do think, uh, to your point, I think they need to find them some wins here in the next couple months because if you don't lose, if you don't win for a year, I mean, it becomes the mecca th- situation too. You know, you, it's hard to take you seriously when you keep losing. I mean, yes. So, uh, all right, let's jump to now the uh, last man standing match: Josh Woods defeating Silas Young at about thirteen forty-five. Uh, these guys went at it. I, I will say that I didn't particularly care for this match. I want to go back and rewatch it. Um, I did not like the finish. Although I, I don't know why I didn't like the finish, but I really didn't. Um, did I miss something? Because I just did not care for this match. Well, I guess I'll, well, like, did you not like just like the, from a safety standpoint the finish, or you didn't think that should have been like good enough for the finish, or, or what? I, what is I feel your... like at the time I didn't feel like that was brutal enough for the finish, but I don't know why not going being suplexed through two tables didn't do it for me. But I just I didn't feel like the whole thing worked and I and I love Josh Woods and I love Silas I mean you know I mean we've put him over mm-hmm. on the show as much as anybody I just this one didn't click for me and maybe it was just you know I hadn't qu- I don't know but this one didn't work for me maybe I missed something yeah I mean um I know that was so um trying to frame this in the correct way here I know this is Josh this is Josh's first match um like this um from you know obviously if you watch it and, and just from you know talking to people um and then that was kind of a concern going in um but i think that silas really carried him along the way here 
and and made a good match and, and took that spot at the end. And I thought it worked the way the match they were, you know, they kind of slowly built up to that spot. Um, and, it, and it worked for me. Uh, it was not a uh, pile driver off the second rope like Sammy Guevara and, and MJF had on uh, Dynamite <laughs> a couple of nights, which I love that match. But, you know, that should be a finish. And I think the way this match was told for me, that worked as a finish. Um, so I think all of that, you know, that might be, again, just – um, knowing the intentions behind the match and, and, and maybe some of the concerns going into it, I think it flowed pretty well. It just worst place on the card. Like, I just don't think this, this had a, like uh, some, we hadn't heard about this match really in three or four weeks on TV. So I think the impact of it felt less important than, uh, than it should have. So I think all that went into it, but overall from, you know, bell to bell, I thought, I thought it worked pretty well and, and put woods over. You know, I think you made a good point. Or you made several good points, but I, I, the point that really jumped out that maybe hit me was maybe it was just a, a bad spot on the card. It was about the sixth match or, or seventh segment. You know, we had just uh, the EC3 and Flip match just killed the crowd, and we'll get into that. And then it really popped for the STP and, and match. So maybe it was just the spot on the card that it was just up, down, up, down, fight, fight, fight type thing. So mm-hmm. I'm going to yeah, go rewatch sure. this. So yeah, I think if you watch it in a vacuum, you'd probably like it more. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just a, a lot of matches on the card. And if you were to rank all of these, it was probably the eighth most important match. Um, the only thing that was less important was the EC3 flip stuff and then the pre-show stuff. Everything else seemed to be more important um, the way it was built. So, you know, that, that's just hard to be the you know eighth most important match on the card. All right, well, let's now jump ahead to uh, the match I just mentioned, uh, Shane Taylor Promotions, uh, Moses Khan and Shane Taylor, along with O'Shea. Uh, defeat Dalton Castle, Dak, and Eli Isom. Uh, this was a pretty good match here. Um, a whole lot of, you know, a lot of back and forth, a lot of big moves. Uh, Dalton Castle, you know, the team was not perfectly getting along, but it got along well enough. Confusion at the end allowed STP to, uh, you know, hit the big uh, move, and Shane Taylor hits Welcome to the Land and gets the win in 1050. Um I thought this was actually really good. I thought all six guys looked great, which is really hard to do in a six-man match. And mm-hmm. uh, I think the right team won. I think the story was told well. And I thought it was enough where it didn't hurt Dalton, Dak, and Eli too much taking the pin here. Yeah, I think this is like an example of um, simple. It's kind of always, not always better, but simple works a lot in wrestling. And, you know, this was pretty easy to tell what was going to happen, that they were going to break up as a group and Shane Taylor Crush was going to win because of that. And that's exactly what happened. And the match was great. And, you know, just being there live, I hope it translated on, t- on the broadcast as well. But um, it's really hard in a match like this for all six guys to be as over as they were. Um, it, was, it, was, it was really impressive. And that was really um, good to see because I think all of these guys have done really good work um, over the pandemic period. And especially Shane Taylor Promotions. I mean, yeah. the, those, all those guys. Is it crazy to say that Shane Taylor's promotions was the most overact of the night? I don't think so. I'm trying I to think. I think it was. Like, uh, it, for yeah, me, I mean, they were the top, uh, the most overact with the crowd. Yeah, I would say if you comboed the Briscoes coming out at the very beginning or like Jay Lethal for a brief period of time there, but those guys are, you know, legacy Ring of Honor guys. So for, you know, if someone is not, yeah, I mean, I don't think so. Maybe that was our section being allowed to, but uh, yeah, they were way over. And, um, you know, I thought they were, but it's just good to see that um, validated, too. But, yeah, the match was really good, and, um, you know, which is to be expected with all these guys and stories for uh, for the, the team that lost going in out of it. And, uh, yeah, so it was good. 
yeah, I thought this match overachieved, which is not easy to do in a six-man match. This was better than I was mm-hmm. expecting. So good job for these six mm-hmm. guys. And, uh, you know, a pretty good example of a six-man match working and uh, probably another sign that we need more of a push for Shane Taylor promotions. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> All right, let's talk EC3 and Flip. It's time. Cool. You know, we were, we've been real happy so far, and now it's just time to um, – I don't even know. I mean, this match was just... I, I think the key to this match is what we just need to talk about with the crowd because um, I, I will say I listened to the roundtable with Sean and um, and with Rich. Great job, as I mentioned. But um, they had a much higher opinion of this than we did in the audience. I, I thought this was one of the worst matches that I've ever seen in person. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it was slow, but not in a methodical way. I thought it was a slow match. Um, I don't think anybody cheered or booed EC3 in the entire arena and surprisingly I thought Flip was maybe the most dead act that came out of the curtain all night Uh, it was surprising to me how just no one cares and I don't know how from where he was a couple years ago at All Out and everything else and even when he won the free enterprise battle royal last year uh, I mean he needs to go away and learn a new hold I mean it's sad (laughs) Yeah, uh, I I would agree. Um, you know, I thought it was he was not going to be super over, but the the level that he was not over was um, was something. And um, yeah, I mean, it's funny too because like um, I mean, everyone it seems like has has turned on him for um, obviously his character's not been good. He's been more grounded as as the as the mercenary in ring and not had a whole lot to do, which hasn't helped. But you know, I think the real reason. Is, is his his personal life and a lot of his opinions and things like that that we've you know talked about in the show and know all about but you know i would say he's not the only wrestler in the world that has similar opinions like that i mean there's 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 people that uh you know had the last match of the undertaker that think the world's flat too and he doesn't get as much crap so um i think there's just like a lesson for all people out there to like if you're a public figure, you got to be really careful what you say and how you present it and all that sort of stuff. Because, um, I think that has been a real negative to his career is, is being open and honest about what he thinks and feels. And, you know, I don't agree with that. Um, the things he said, obviously I'll make sure that's clear, but it's funny that he's definitely not the only person with bad takes in wrestling. And he's, uh, he, he, him with the combination of his, this character has really, uh, derailed his career. Um, I, I agree. I am also a little surprised that, uh, to your point there, um, and we, I don't want to peel the curtain back too much, but um, he's certainly not unpopular in the locker room. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, we, we got to see him, you know, around some other wrestlers, and, and it certainly wasn't as if he was unpopular and that he was shunned. I mean, it, so it's, it's not as if people don't like the human being in the locker room. It's like the online presence has the fans not liking him, but I don't think his actual peers don't like That's what I'm trying to say. It was a little bit of a strange yeah. dichotomy to me. Well, you know, I will say too, like, I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest on the show here. We, we interviewed him, what, I don't know, two months ago, three months ago. And, you know, we talked off air as long as we inter- had the interview. And I like, I was like, I don't agree with like anything he said online, but I seemed, I really clicked with the guy and I liked him. So, yeah, you know, very much I, so. if I, if I get cancer for that, that's fine. But, you know, it, it is a weird dichotomy that he can be a likable guy in person and then, you know, say things that make you not want to be around him. So we just had, an interesting, uh, we had a fantastic story. conversation with him off the air. I mean, and, yeah. and I thought our interview was terrific, but I mean, sometimes you wish some of the stuff that was off the air could go on the air. Cause I, I thought mm-hmm. our conversation went 20 or 25 minutes off air and he was absolutely intelligent and talking. I, I was really impressed. So I, 
you know, for whatever that's worth, gang. Yeah. So, I mean, and I just think it might be an interesting, uh, you know, maybe not dark side of the ring. Let's hope not. Um, but just like an interesting story down the road of like a case study of, um, you know, how to be a professional wrestler in 2021, basically, and what to do and what not to do. And I think you could take it to the wrestler. I think you could take it to the company too. I mean, mm-hmm. it's embarrassing where he is now from where he was and where this company was. And and it really seems like the minute that he came out as the mercenary and then blew out his elbow, it, everything has gone downhill from that moment. And it's, yeah. it's really sad to see. Hey guys, it's Mike McMahon from the All Elite After Show. Every week, Andrew Socek and I break down AEW on our free PW Torch podcast. We've been doing this show since 2016. That's right. We're on our fifth year. When we started the show back then, we were talking just Impact Wrestling, and we still talk about them from time to time as well. And over the years, we've branched out to also discuss MLW, and of course, the main event of our program, which is always the latest going on in AEW. Again, the show is called the All Elite After Show with me, Mike McMahon, and my partner, Andrew Socek. You can check us out as part of the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup. You can subscribe to our show and all of the Daily Cast shows just by searching PW Torch on any podcast app. And of course, you can listen ad-free with a PW Torch VIP membership. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean it's 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 unfortunate, that's for sure. But yeah, I mean if I'm in a position of of anything, I probably say, "Hey man, we we don't want to resign you here not because you're not great, but I mean, and I know he signed a long-term deal, but it's just it, it's not working right now, man." Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh now let's jump back or jump ahead or however we want to word it to uh the Briscoes came out and uh, defeated Mecca and uh, PJ Black. I believe this was the first match on the actual regular pay-per-view, however I want to word that. Um, This was pretty much exactly what we expected, although I will say the Mecca and uh, PJ Black had a little more offense than I was expecting, but, uh, you know, pretty decisive win here by the Briscoes in uh, eight minutes. Yeah, I think good opener against Briscoes, um, a win, you know, kind of newly formed tag team obviously they've been a tag yeah, really team forever new, really <laughs> but you know they're, they're telling this this section this chapter of their story here um and uh you know i think it was important that pj black took the pin not brian johnson that was the most important thing i took away from it um that uh you know brian johnson has gone from being a you know jobber to the stars to uh, being protected in tag team matches so i thought that was a very positive sign for him and his his rise as well yeah, overall, it was a good match. I, I think he looked like he'd fit in that zone with the Briscoes, which is a good sign. Yeah, I thought this was a good match. You know, three, three and a half stars. It accomplished exactly mm-hmm. what it needed to. It was well booked. It was well written. Um, and to your point, Mecca going over with, or not getting the pin is smart. But PJ Black's 40 something years old. I mean, he mm-hmm. doesn't look it, but, you know, he his career is on the down, you know, in the second, uh, second yeah. nine, as they would use that golf cliche. So mm-hmm. whereas, you know, hopefully the Mecca is a part of your future for the next five or seven years in your company. So just yeah. smart to protect him, but Briscoe's needed to win. They were over. And I think we expected them to be over, but they were very over. Obviously Delaware is not far from Maryland and, you know, Sandy fork isn't far. So, um, I'm not surprised, but, uh, if it wasn't Shane Taylor promotions, it was the Briscoe's was probably the pop of the night. Yeah, and you you were you were good with that match. You good? You good? 
I was, I was, I was, I was upset that uh, the live crowd didn't get a "you good" chant going. Um, we certainly tried. It certainly but, wasn't uh, from lack of effort from this podcast yeah. on our pod. So, so just free <laughs> advice out there, you know. Uh, whenever Jay is just like slapping the crap out of an opponent, TL "you good" is like, uh, you know, the greatest chant of all time. So, just, and it has just to be done with the there. terrible Sandy Fork, uh, you know, affect as well, too. So you mm-hmm. gotta have that going mm-hmm. for it as well. Yeah. Uh, anything you want to talk about or should we head to the pre-show? Uh, no, I think we're good. Uh, pre-show, uh, Dan Housen and PCO, um, in kind of a crazy match, uh, defeated the bouncers in, uh, about nine minutes. Um, I'll be honest. This was way better than I was expecting. Uh, I thought Malonis looked great and, um, Dan Housen kind of manipulating, controlling PCO, it, it worked for me. This kind of odd couple pairing, I think, is in the right spot on the card. I think it works. And I was expecting the bouncers to get a win. I think you said the same. But now that, that it happened, I think it was in some ways smart to uh, get PCO and Dan Housen a win, particularly if you need PCO to have Roosh go over him or any of these number of guys that are going to need some wins. Jay Lethal, as we mentioned, I think you know getting a win here was probably smart. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, we picked the bouncers just because they're kind of newly formed, but you know, I, I think this is their role right now. They don't have a lot going on, and you know, if you look at the crowd, you know, if if I'm the booker and I looked out at the curtain before the match started and I see you know 15 people in in full Danhausen makeup, uh, I'm like, okay, well, we're switching it because <laughs> Danhausen's going over now. Um, and, you know, I think that uh, again, that's just me speculating, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. And um, yeah, they're a fun act and and. Um, you know, for people that are not super hardcore into the the product, I think Dan House is a good gateway um, wrestler to get people into this product. So this them getting the win here, I thought worked really well. Yeah, I mean, I hate the WWE style buffet where you have a little bit of this and a little bit of that for everybody, but I think that there's a place in Ring of Honor for a Dan House and a PCO, just like there's a spot for Gresham and Deppin. I mean, I think mm-hmm. you know you can have different acts that that are a little different and. I think the pre-show second match in is good here. I'm not sure I want it in the main event, but you know, there's a place mm-hmm. for it. And I thought it really worked in nine minutes. It didn't overstay its welcome. And um, again, I thought Malonis, uh, I, I want to give him credit because uh, it looked like he gotten better shape, you know, really trimmed up um, at least in person. It looked like it. And uh, I, mm-hmm. I thought he was really moving around and had a hell of a match. I, I was really, he caught my eye for sure. Yeah, I think so too. And um, yeah, I will see what they do as a group. Um, you know, I think they can easily go face again if they turn on Dixon because he was playing it up with his little uh, mm-hmm. bandolier. Bandolier, is that what it's called? Where you put like the bullet thing? <laughs> well, of, of, he had of, a beer, beer satchel or something. I mean, it was yeah, a strange, it was like, strange holster. Yeah, so I think that works as a uh, as a heel act. And maybe if they turn on him, they can be faces again at a live show and, and, and go from there. But yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I think he had a good show as well. Yeah, I, this was way more entertaining than I thought it was going to be. So, yeah. Um, now to the flip side. I think the next thing was the Matt Taven segment. If I'm wrong, uh, I'm going yes, out of order. No, right. I think it was. Yeah, um, right. I, I hated everything about this. And, I mean, you know Matt Taven's our guy on the show. We've had him three times on. I mean, you know, he does our, you know, commercial buffer. But um, I, I didn't understand any of this. First of all, it looked so low rent having a ladder holding the neon sign. I, I mean, maybe that didn't come through as much, you know, on television as it did in person. But it looked like the cheapest indie show would ever run it. And then mm-hmm. I, And then 
it was almost like a comedy routine where you start negotiating backwards. Like, I'll give you 5,000. Yeah. No, I'll give you four. Now I'll give you three. I mean, it, it was like reverse bargaining. I'm, I, Taven yeah. starts this thing and offers up his career in Ring of Honor. And then Vincent's like, nah, instead I want your title shot. It's like, mm-hmm. first of all, if you wanted a title shot, why didn't you just try to jump Roosh or jump one of these guys in, in the last year and a half? I didn't mm. understand that. Or two, just you haven't lost in a year and a half in the company. Why wouldn't you just ask for a match? So, yeah. And I didn't understand. Or you just say, all right, well, I also want, if you're out of the company, I'm going to take the title shot that you already are deserved. I mean, that it seemed like it was just so poorly written and I didn't understand it. And I felt like both of the guys were out there like, what, why are we reading this? Yeah, I, I would agree with you on a lot of this. Um, you know, um, we, we were speculating about it before the show and, and we talked about it on the show um, last week, what we thought would be a kind of interesting way to take this. And, and this is definitely the less interesting, I would say, um, way for this to go. And, and here's my concern. Um, it's that, uh, you know, Vincent gets the win here, which I think they're setting up for. And then he gets a title shot against someone like Bandito. And uh, then during that match, Taven comes out and screws him over. And then they just continue doing this. Like uh, that, that would be the absolute, just utter worst case scenario because this, this proved that this needs to end and these two guys need to not interact at all. Basically after August 21st. And um yeah, I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Um, I, I, I have a question for you off air about this whole thing. That um, so just remind me of that. But I'll, um, let me jump in because I'm a little higher yeah. on. I hated everything about how they got there, but I do think you know we kind of talked about it with Taven in our interview a few weeks ago. You know, how does this end? Well, if it's not going to end with one of them leaving Ring of Honor, I do think it needs to end in a cage. And, and Ring of Honor is not a place where you see a cage match, but. I mean, like, I, I can't even remember the last cage match that was done in the company. So I, it is a novelty in that respect. I think that it's the only way this can end. I'm just worried that it's not going to end. But yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's probably what, that's, more just a fear than anything else. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I think that ending it in a cage night two in Philadelphia, all of that end to the journey is good. I just thought this was so poorly written that they could have just done it so much differently and so much more coherently rather than the way it was very WWE to me, you know, the journey sucks, but you get to the destination type thing. Yeah. And I thought the spot through the ladder was like unnecessarily dangerous. Um, It didn't go well. I mean, I I think we can say off, uh, you know, we can say on air that Matt didn't love that spot. I think that's the fairest thing I can say. Yeah. He will, he'll be available, but uh, yeah, it was, Good thing you didn't have a match that night. Yes, that's um, very well said. <laughs> um, you also so yeah. give the guy a hug, and he's like, "No, I'm good." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Got yeah. it. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. So just kind of weird overall. I mean, I again, I'm with you. Um, I'm yeah. I'm just putting my concern of this going on forever, and it just needs to end um, August 21st. If it does, whatever the result is, that's great, and both guys can continue and, and, and go from there. But that is the absolute certain key is this needs to be over yeah or at least this needs a six month you know a half time to use a football cliche or something just it needs a break so i'm with you a thousand percent this needs to end for a long time so all right uh and i want to make sure we give this the proper time because i thought this match was terrific but uh first match on the card 
Uh, Ray Oris in a little bit of a surprise. Uh, this match was really going back and forth and um, looked like Flamita was going to get the win, and then Ray Oris kind of rolls him up and, and gets the victory at 945. Yeah, uh, we both picked uh, Demonic Flamita, I believe. Let me look here, yeah. Uh, no, I picked Ray Oris. Look at me. I think I was almost perfect. Um, but uh, I hate sorry. your abs. Oh, wait, that's EC3. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think this worked. Um, again, a little bit, not to the same extent, but I do think Flamita and Ray Oris need to kind of um, get away from each other because that's kind of all we've seen. I mean, obviously, I know why they have great matches together, but um, I think they're more than just um, their own luchador division guys who just have a match with each other forever. So I'd like to see them kind of get, get with some different opponents here. Um, but yeah, I thought this match was really good and, and you know, it keeps Ray and Flamita on the same level, which is, um, you know, probably more important. I don't know if you're going to put either of them over to the extent, um, you know, to be a, a singles champion or something, but, um, yeah, they're good, uh, gatekeeper guys and, and can put on a great match in the beginning of a card. So yeah, I think, I think their spots were solidified here. Yeah. I mean, I, I would be just fine if they did the first match on a pre-show for the rest of, you know, their time in ring of honor. I mean, I thought this was mm-hmm. the perfect two guys to do a, very fast nine minute luchador style match. Uh, I think while I like the demonic Flamita character a lot, I do think it's smart to give Oris a win here. I hope that they just don't go to the rubber match in three weeks in Philadelphia or whatever it is. Like you pointed out, I hope that we get a little bit of a break from these guys. It doesn't feel mm-hmm. like that's going to happen with the way it was a roll up and the way it's left. But uh, I, I hope that maybe we see these guys have some great matches with some other people. You know, and then we circle back. I mean, certainly the Flamita and Bandito matchup, while I don't think Bandito would lose, that is a natural fit somewhere in the next few months. And mm-hmm. certainly Oris could just say, Hey, I want a shot and you know, mm-hmm. like two friends fighting, they could go at it. So I do think there's places there where these guys can get away from each other a little bit, but also have some great matches and really build some other people. Yeah, I think so too. I mean they just like um these two guys just like are why you can say RH has a ton of depth because um, you know, if, if they were on AEW or something, um, imagine how many, um, you know, spots you could put these guys in and it would be amazing. So, um, they, they would be much needed in a, a, I mean, imagine WWE, if they could book, you know, luchadors, <laughs> we'll say to say, to say it nicely. Um, uh, how much could you get out of these guys? A ton. So just they're they're great depth guys for Ring of Honor. I mean, they really are what Lucha House Party should be in, in WWE. Yeah. Outstanding wrestlers who lose a lot more than they win, but get the crowd hyped. I mean, that that's fine, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anything else that we want to talk about? I know we've given you know close to an hour here covering the pay per view, and um, you know we're going to have a lot more coverage on the Vinny feud and what we're going to do with Bandito. But anything else that you want to talk about, best in the world wise, before we kind of move on? I don't think so. I think overall, again, it's positive. I, I like the show a lot. Um, I do. I do worry. Um, that you know, if if they have, let's say ROH has like the whole rest of the year. Let's say all these shows are as hot as this show was, um, and we don't see like a, a huge increase in in the attention on the product. I do worry, like, is there nothing that this company can do to to kind of get back in the notoriety? But you know, that's just like my um, anxious thinking going into it because I like this product and I want it to do well. So, um, so we'll see. That is just my kind of big concern going into the rest of the year is that they could be one of the better products um, in, in pro wrestling and not get any love because it's just such a damaged brand. Uh, but we'll see. Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? 
Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net along with other Pro Wrestling Media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again, that's PWBoom.com. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I think that's another feeling that I have, and, and I'm with you. I'm, I'm worried where this company is because I, I thought this was a great pay-per-view, and I don't feel like – I think the P- Torch has done a great job of covering it. I mean, as you said, you've probably covered this as much as anybody in, in the you know, internet landscape, but um, I, I don't feel like there's a, a ton of buzz coming out of this pay-per-view like I was expecting with Bandito and, and some of the other things that happened, and um, – I don't think it's the fault of the PW Torch or guys like us or guys and girls that are covering the product. I just I I hope it's just not too damaged because I think they're doing some great stuff. But I feel like maybe it's going to just be like Impact, where it's like it exists, it's got its niche fans, but you know the casual fan just doesn't care. And I'm and I'm really worried about that, particularly else. So mm-hmm. or the lack of a sellout, I should say. So, but. Um, I think we'll learn a lot in uh, four weeks in Philadelphia because if that place isn't filled, then yeah. we're going to need to talk and we're yeah, going to have a sure. bad conversation. So, yep, yep. So, all right, Tyler, let's uh, let's talk about the TV episode uh, number five twelve. Obviously, let's probably run through this a bit quicker than we typically do. Um, I think in some ways the show was built to be kind of covered pretty quickly. You know, it was best in the world weekend. It was going to get lost in the sauce as much as we try to act like it doesn't. So, um, but let, let's get to the start. Uh, Quinn was at the news desk, uh, was hyping up best in the world. Uh, we went very quickly into a Joe Keys and Dante Caballero backstage promo, um, both just acting nervous as all get out. Um, I thought it was a little over the top, quite frankly, but uh, I got the point. Uh, the Briscoes came out. They had a pre-taped promo as well. Basically, just exactly what you would expect. We're back. We're moving up the charts. We're going to whoop these guys. Um, Briscoes pretty much were in control into the first commercial. We came back. Surprisingly, Dante Caballero and, and uh, Joe Keys, they got a little bit of offense in about the three-minute mark uh, before a hot tag to Mark Briscoe. Um, the Briscoes hit the redneck boogie. Keys kicked out, which was a little surprising. Uh, Mark followed up with a froggy bow on Dante Caballero for the one, two, three in about five minutes. Yeah, um, man, that was a lot. I think you covered every move in that match in a five minute match. So good, good job out of you. Thanks, sir. Um, yeah, um, yeah. No, this is exactly what you would think it was going to be. Again, I think the, the main takeaway, two main takeaways, obviously the Briscoes dominant and kind of going back up, uh, up the card and. You know, I think if we have a ladder, what's it called? Um, ladder war. What's what's like the ladder match for? Yeah, ladder wars. Yeah, I think the ladder wars and final battles is on the on the on the prowl. If you have, you know, I think usually they do just two teams. But if you had, you know, all these factions and then the Briscoes, and you have a four team ladder wars um, for final battle. I think that that's pretty juicy. Um, so build them up for that point. I think would be good. And um, yeah, keys and uh, Calibre. Yeah. Yes, for Dante. I'm going to butcher his name. Um, that's uh, my gimmick, why, not but, yours. Yeah, I know. Yeah, sorry. That's why I stopped. Um, no one infringed on the gimmick. But yeah, them looking like just buffoons before didn't help. I don't, I don't know what the point of that was. But um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they had some heat and uh, with, with, with somebody. But yeah, um, yeah, it was fine. 
Yeah, I thought it got accomplished, and I, I was surprised that the, uh, particularly with the uh, backstage promo, that they got as much offense in in five minutes as they did. But, uh, yeah. you know, it accomplished what it needed to, and it wasn't a bad match. I mean, it was quick five minutes. It worked. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's a great TV, especially with three matches on TV. I think yes. that's, that's a great a great third match on TV. So, uh, so we went to commercial. We came back, and uh, basically we went right back to the UMBC arena, which was kind of a nice change of pace. Uh, Flip came out first. He did a pre-match promo-ish, as I put it, because he was doing push-ups in a handstand position and then got angry that Quinn interrupted him, even though she's supposed to interrupt him. Wow, that didn't work, but okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Then uh, PJ Black came out second. He did an interview backstage with Quinn. uh, Pretty, you know, pretty baby-faced vanilla. Nothing too crazy. Um, Early early action saw uh, PJ was out wrestling Flip. Flip hit a cheap shot punch to get on the uh, a little offense before PJ went back on the offensive. Uh, Flip goes back on the offensive into the commercial. Uh, come back, he's still on offense. Commentary isn't completely ignoring this match. Uh, the Mecca's on commentary, and, and basically they couldn't care less. They're hyping best in the world, and Mecca's talking about his tag match with the Briscoes. Um, let's see. Then it was a... Uh, God, what else do we have? We had a reverse fallaway slam into a shooting star press, which was really cool. Uh, that was a great spot to the match. Um, then, just when it looked like PJ was going to uh, win the match, uh, Flip hits a thumb to the eye, hit a flip five into the submit to Flip, and uh, PJ Black submitted pretty quickly in about, I don't know, nine minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the key to the match is after it, uh, Flip reapplied the hold. Mecca ran down from commentary and broke it up and, and made the save. And uh, Mecca cut a promo, you know, kind of in the uh, in the middle of the ring into the commercial. Mm. Yeah, um, I mean, you recapped it well. I think, you know, this is the flip, the win that Flip could have used on a pay per view going into a title shot. But uh, I guess the thought process was beating PJ Black and losing to EC3 is like a, a push, I guess. Uh, so that's weird. And, um, yeah, I don't know, but uh, match was fine. Nothing to write home about. And uh, you know, obviously, me and you both love Brian Johnson, but I think when he's on commentary like this, um, he probably needs to dial it back just a tad. Just like remember when, um, um, what was it? Didn't PJ Black have a match in the like first tapings when they came back, and Brian Johnson was just screaming during the whole match, mm-hmm. and and it was just too much. Um, I, and 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 that was taken down and and you know improved on. So that's the only reason I say that because Brian's great. Love him as a promo. Love him walking out talking. But on commentary, it's just like a little much. It's a little bit like Chris Jericho on commentary. I yeah. think um, he made me laugh yeah. twice very hard. But he also probably yeah. went for ten jokes rather than four. So yeah. And I yeah. love the Mecca, but it was just it was too much. And and that's what they wanted, but it was too much. So. Yeah, I mean, that was better than the match, honestly. So that's not to be, like, dismissive of Johnson. But, um, you know, for for how um, much I didn't think Mike Bennett fit on commentary last week, um, you know, or not didn't fit, but how little he talked on commentary last week, this is the exact opposite of the bell curve for Brian Johnson. So somewhere in the middle is, is better for both of them is what I'm trying to say. Well, and one final point I do want to make on this is just I was surprised that Flip didn't get much offense in this. And I, I thought for, I'll be honest, I saw Flip lose at the pay-per-view and then was watching this. So I kind of knew I was watching it out of order, so to speak. But I was yeah. kind of expecting P.J. Black to get a win here halfway through. I mean, I, I was like, mm-hmm. are they really going to just keep burying Flip? And 
I mean, I guess because he's a heel, that's the way you wrestle as a heel in, in wrestling nowadays. But I was surprised that, I mean, they really didn't make him look like a strong victor over PJ Black, who hasn't gotten a lot of wins in this company in the last two years. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, interesting to, to say the least in general with flipping his character. Yep. So we went to commercial, we came back, and it was really uh, pretty much time for the main event. Uh, LFI came out first, Kenny King and uh, Dragon Lee, same old, you know, uh, pre tape promo. Uh, Foundation second, uh, Gresham and Lethal, pretty much the same deal. Violence Unlimited, Deppin and Brody. Uh, none of the three promos really anything to write home about, so I'm just going to keep moving forward. Um, basically, the match starts with LFI immediately going to ringside and uh, making it a tag team match rather than a six-way tag. Um, I will say uh, we got Gresham and Tony Deppin to start, which was just got my attitude or my appetite wet for more of that coming forward. Um, really interesting part here where uh, Ian is pointing out that, you know, you can see Gresham's attitude changing right in front of us. And then Caprice starts selling it as, well, why shouldn't he be confident? Why shouldn't he be this? And I didn't understand what Caprice was trying to get over. I mean, it almost seemed like he was going to be a future manager for Gresham the way he was selling it. I, I, I want to put that in the archives of if that ever okay. happens, that mm-hmm. I was like, I was, I got the vibe they were putting down because... It was really strange to hear Babyface Caprice selling the attitude change as a good thing and, and a Babyface maneuver. So, anyways, uh, a little later, uh, we got the Lethal and Brody King face-off, which, unfortunately, most of the people are watching it out of order, but this would have hyped up their match at uh, Best in the World. Uh, LFI then pulls him uh, Lethal out of the ring and beats him down. Uh, goodness, just a whole bunch of stuff. Dragon Lee yeah. hit a nasty pump handle, Blue Thunder Bomb. Uh, which absolutely people need to check out. That match was unbelievable. Uh, the finish comes with Tony Deppin hitting a shining wizard on Gresham. Uh, Kenny King uses that opportunity to do like a crescent kick type uh, shot to the head on Deppin to knock him out of the ring. And then Kenny King steals the pin on Gresham. One, two, three to get the win for LFI. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of star power in this match for, for this, this type of episode and kind of interesting that they kind of gave it away here. Um, was my initial up, uptake. And, um, yeah, I mean, the two non-tag teams, right, of, of these factions, the, the combinations that are not, like, listed as tag teams, um, did not win to the team that is a tag team, you know, former tag team champions, Kenny King and Dragon Lee. Um, so I thought that was, you know, good use, and they used their normal hill tactics to win, and, and the match itself was really good. So, um, yeah, and, and the thing with Caprice that you brought up, you know, we saw that, too, in the um, – out of the commentary team to like kind of defend Roosh. Uh, I, I haven't seen it, but I know I, that's, that's what Sean and Rich were talking about that they were basically defending Roosh for trying to get DQ'd so he can get another payday and be champion. So um, that's just like an overall theme with commentary. Sometimes they do heelish things kind of out of nowhere and it's weird, but yeah, I, I take your point. Cause I think Gresham going heel um, makes the most sense here and breaking away from the group. So, um, so we'll see, but I think that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, if all of a sudden Caprice is his mouthpiece in two months, I, I just want my props. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. But uh, cool. I actually will say I thought this match was pretty good considering it was ahead of the pay-per-view. And, I mean, there was a lot of star power in it. It had about 12 minutes of action. But I, I thought they really did a good match here. I thought this was, you know, rarely do I say watch a go-home show, particularly in a Ring of Honor type setting. And mm-hmm. I, I actually thought this was a pretty darn good match. 
Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, the, you know, the other two were okay. They felt more in line with this episode, but I thought this one, you know, was uh, gave away a lot of like potential big time, not big time matches, but you know, seeing a lot of the big stars in the company touch um, on a main event. Um, you know, so it felt it like an improvement and something that, you know, I think this whole episode too is like, you know, how many people could have watched this before um, the pay per view? Probably not many. So it does feel backwards and loses impact that way. So you know, a story old as time, right? Just kind of the, the structure of, of the programming was was an issue for me on this episode. But besides that, I thought it was, it was solid. I mean, this certainly could have headlined one of the nights in Philly or a, yeah. a house show type thing. So I'm surprised they, I don't want to say gave it away, but I'm particularly, you know, probably the deadest TV weekend you can do when you're going to bury it that way. And I'm just a little yeah. surprised. I Hey, I want every great match they can put on television. That's not a complaint. It's just, I'm surprised they didn't do it this next week or something, I guess. Yeah. So uh, next week, uh, looking ahead, it's going to be Quinn McKay getting her, I guess not rematch because she didn't face Mandy, but she's getting her second opportunity. We'll say that against Mandy Leon next week to uh, get into the uh, women's tournament. And um, by the way, we skipped over the women's tournament. I just, I want to make that a segment next week because we got a lot to talk about there. So I don't want to give it short shift, but I want to make sure that we spend 15 to 20 minutes really talking about it. So I don't want to make the audience think we skipped over it. I just want to make sure and give it the proper time. So, yeah, sure. Absolutely. And uh, so that'll be an interesting match. And then uh, it's all of the four foundation members versus all four members of Shane Taylor promotions. And I think the one thing to look for there is, um, are are we going to see, you know, the beginnings of, if not the full breakup of the foundation? Yeah, I, I, I think, I would say with, with the light touch we've gotten, I think it'll be the start of, not the absolute breakup, but I think that is yeah, a great opportunity for uh, you know maybe someone to not leave the ring, but something to happen where maybe someone's disengaged and then it turns into a little bit of a discussion backstage in the locker room area or something like that. But yeah, I think, I think it's, 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 it's about time. Uh, anything else you want to cover on the TV episode, my man? Uh, I don't think so. All right, well... Tyler, we will be continuing to talk with VIP members. To become a VIP member, check out membership info at pwtorch.com. Go VIP, where the daily casts are presented with ads and plugs removed, plus VIP exclusive content, 30 plus years of newsletter archives, 15 plus years of podcast archives, including early ROH event reviews, and hundreds of retro radio shows from the 1990s. Plus, daily VIP exclusive podcasts, a new weekly newsletter, and an ad-free web browsing experience. Again, that's pwtorch.com slash go VIP. Have you subscribed to the PW Torch Daily Cast yet? It's a free daily podcast with shows throughout the week dedicated to Ring of Honor, All Elite Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, Major League Wrestling, NXT, and MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. That's Monday through Friday. And on Saturdays, check out the Deep Dive with Rich Fan, where he examines a single topic in depth. And then Sunday nights, it's Wrestling Night in America with Greg Parks. You can listen live or download the show later at pwtorchdailycast.com. Just click on the live stream link. He takes your calls talking about wrestling's biggest events, either ones that just took place or previewing shows that are right around the corner. And on Sundays when WWE runs pay-per-views, he's live right after the pay-per-view at pwtorchdailycast.com, reviewing the show and taking your calls. That's the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your wrestling podcasts or visit our homepage to download or stream the shows or find out more information, pwtorchdailycast.com.
One of the really cool parts of being a VIP member is getting to relive history through the pages of the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter back issues. We have Pro Wrestling Torch newsletters dating back to the late 1980s. We put a new back issue up from 20 years ago that week. And so when you go VIP, you instantly have access to over 1,500 back issues and a new PDF, along with an all-text version, if it's easier for you to read that on your phone, uh, goes up every weekend. And the latest issues include a cover story from the June 10th, 2000 issue on Goldberg's return to WCW and whether he's a solution to what was ailing WCW at the time. Also, my column titled Vince Russo is from Outer Space and Bruce Mitchell's column, still timely today, unfortunately, of racist gimmicks and poverty pimps was the title. That's issue number 606. The week before that, issue number 605 from June 3rd features a cover story that talks about how there could be a shakeup in the wrestling industry with WCW for sale and ECW having an uncertain future. And also a Bruce Mitchell column spoofing Vince Russo titled, How I Became World Champion. If we go back another week to the May 27th, 2000 issue, it had detailed coverage of the Judgment Day 2000 pay-per-view, including my review and staff roundtable reviews of the Rock Triple H 60-minute Iron Man match, and also the final installment of the Lance Storm Torch Talk with his thoughts on various ECW colleagues. The week before that, the May 20th, 2000 issue, issue number 603, features a cover story on Ric Flair's collapse in the ring during Nitro, part three of the Landstorm Torch Talk, with his explanation for why he decided to quit ECW, our coverage of ECW Hardcore Heaven, the pay-per-view, and more. And then the week before that, the May 13th issue, features a cover story on the changing TV landscape in pro wrestling, with the WWF moving from USA to TNN, and a potential shift of ECW, also a cover sidebar story on the death of an ECW fan after a hotel party and WCW slamboree coverage. And the week before that, our coverage from the May 6th issue, number 601, of David Arquette winning the WCW title. My EndNotes editorial examining Vince Russo's controversial decision and flippant comments about title belts. Our coverage of WWE Backlash 2000 and more. I could keep going on, but that gives you an idea of what you're missing out on by not being a BIP member. Imagine settling in on the weekend and uh, kicking back and reading wrestling history, not through the lens of WWE filtering it to their benefit, not through people looking back on it through today's lens, but what was said at the time, the week it happened, by some of the voices that you are familiar with here on the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and PW Torch Daily Casts. So go VIP and relive professional wrestling through the way the torch covered it in real time with contemporaneous coverage of pro wrestling's biggest events, biggest news stories, biggest personalities. I think you'll have a blast. It alone is worth the membership price for so many of our members. Check out details on everything else that comes with the VIP membership, including daily podcasts that are VIP exclusive and shows like this with the ads and plugs removed. Go to pwtorch.com slash go VIP for full details. That's pwtorch.com slash go VIP. Prices are as low as $8.25 a month on average if you subscribe for a year or check us out for a month for $9.99.